Hello everyone and welcome to the Child Move Podcast, an offspring of the Child Move Project. The Child Move Project is a project on the impact of transit experiences on the psychological well-being of unaccompanied refugee minors. Today we have with us one of the researchers on the Child Move Project, Malta Berendt. If you don't know who Malta is, listen to our, I think our very first podcast where we introduced ourselves. I think it was the second one, Meet the Researchers, where Malta introduces himself. He's the German colleague on the team, keeps us in line. No, we, we, <laughs> um, he's laughing, okay? <laughs> and you know, Malta is one of the um, researchers on our team who brings a lot of um, analysis skills and he just... It's amazing when I think of our team, like everyone brings something different and he's the guy who brings the analysis. He brings, you know, the a lot of rational thinking, a lot of, okay, what do we need to do to get things done? And I really, I for one, appreciate having you on the team. So welcome, Malta. Thanks a lot, Sarah. That's very kind of you to say. <laughs> True. <laughs> so um, let's start with you telling us a bit more about your part of the research, your part of the child move study. So my part of the child move study, um, in a few words, um, basically, uh, as you know, our research is about the well-being, the psychological well-being of unaccompanied refugee minors. And in my part of the research, I focus on the ones who come to Belgium and mostly also stay in Belgium, which is kind of um, the, the particular setting of my set of my study because in the other studies um, which are conducted in Italy and in Greece, the population, the young people are a lot more mobile. So that's kind of the particularity of my study that they um, often decide to stay in Belgium and settle here. That's right. Okay, thanks for explaining that. And then you have an article that is undergoing peer review right now that's been submitted for publication. And the title, well, you have more than one article, but we're talking about this one. And the title is Continuity and Social Support, a Longitudinal Study of Unaccompanied Refugee Minors Care Network. Please tell us a bit more about this and how you came to, to this title, I guess. Yeah, sure. So... Um... I think um, with this article, we, we really tried to make most of the longitudinal design of our study. So since we followed up our participants for a period of two years, um, I wanted to um, take advantage of that and investigate how their social support networks, which are known to be very important protective factors for their psychological health, evolve during this time. and. I also know as a practitioner, I've worked with unaccompanied minors before in a shelter in Berlin, that um, you often only get to see a small fraction of, um, of their trajectory. So especially in the shelter that I was working at in Berlin, um, we, we used to have um, a group of minors for a few months and then they would move on to another shelter and we had a new um, like a completely changed uh, population. And it's difficult to grasp really as a practitioner uh, what happens before and what happens after. So 
that's also why I was really interested to um, take a better look at this with this study. And what did you find? So, well, um, our research questions were basically um, who is in the minus networks and who stays in these networks, um, which part of the networks is maintained and which is not. And then also we asked the question, what do these different sectors of support, as we call them, mean for the young people? So what, um, what meaning do they attribute to them? And perhaps not surprisingly, um, what's most important for them is actually their friends and their family. So I guess this is, this is pretty intuitive, but still an important finding, I think. And also something that is often neglected, I feel, in, in uh, practice. Um, so, yeah, that's one finding that um, particularly peers from the same ethnic background, from the same uh, nationality or country, they are really, really important to them and they spend a lot of time with them. They, it means a lot. Uh, to them to um, share different things with them because they're in the same situation for different reasons, really. And then, of course, the family stays incredibly important. I have a lot of boys in my sample, I think 90%, and especially the mother is and remains important throughout the trajectory, even though they are um, so far away and even though um, they may not have contact because of the circumstances in the home country that also made them leave the country and often in many cases they uh, stay in touch and it remains this close uh, bond and this attachment. That's really interesting and um, a question to take you back a bit. Did you find that all of your participants wanted to stay in Belgium, that they saw Belgium as the, the destination country? Good question. Um, no, not all of them. So even though some had this idea from the very beginning, I'm going to go to Belgium because I know somebody there or because I know it's a good place for me, a uh, safe place for me. Um, not all of them had this idea when they came. So many actually came with the idea of going to the UK or going to Sweden or Germany, wherever. And, and then they just stayed here by chance because uh, they met somebody and they kind of convinced them that this is a safe place, they can apply for asylum here and they don't need to go on. And, um, and yeah, many actually left again. So I think 15% uh, had a couple of uh, participants who left the country again after the first interview, which I conducted in Brussels, and then also followed them up, like, like you as well. And, and yeah, some left again and... Uh, some left and then came back again. So, um, yeah, even though it's supposedly, and we, we call it, we, re, we refer to Belgium as a settlement country, but that's not true for all the cases. Hmm. That's so interesting, seeing the mobility, like those who were here, then they left and then came back. Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. So bringing it back to the, to the, to the article, to the care networks, what did continuity or what did social support mean to your participants in discussing what their care networks or support ne networks were like? What did having that network mean to them along this journey that they were on? 
Yeah. Okay. Um. So that, like you asked before, why we chose the title. Um. In this study, we really wanted to focus on continuity because, obviously, there is a lot of disruptions in their lives, disruptions of their social networks, experiences of loss, and even when they come here in the in the case of the Belgian reception system, it's a phased system, so they go through different phases and often are relocated within that trajectory again. And we chose to focus on continuity because in the end, we are interested in their health and in the factors that promote their psychological health. And that's also why we framed this study this way. And like I said, um, especially ethnic peers and family play an important role here because they provide this kind of continuity against the background of all the disruptions and all the ruptures of social networks. And at the same time, even these networks aren't necessarily that stable because, again, it's a very mobile, situ uh, mobile population and they, um, they may not be able to keep in touch with everybody and there is also new actors who enter the field like the social workers and like volunteers and like local peers, like Belgian young people who they uh, make friends with. And these are also important and become more important throughout time. Um, I answered your question, sorry. Well, yeah, yes and no. Like, yes, you now I understand basically that it was important to them, basically because the family and these people sort of became a source of stability and continuity in, in spite of all the disruptions that they had experienced. So you, you did answer it. Thank you. And were there any surprising findings? And if so, what would you share one of them with us? Yeah. Um, so I said before that it's not surprising that they stay in touch with their family and with their friends. I think that's almost common sense, I guess. Um, what surprised me personally and my findings was the big role that volunteers played in the end. So um, many of the young people that I talked with, they were hosted hosted by volunteers in Brussels. There's this, um, um, it's called Burger Platform in Dutch. So it's basically a community network, a grassroots organization, and they host migrants, mostly migrants who are transiting Belgium to go to the UK. And many of my participants also stayed with families in that uh, in that context. So um, I was surprised to find that um, they often stayed in touch with those families. And even after two years, um, two years after arrival, after having stayed just a few days with them, they would still be in contact with them, and they still had this strong attachment and yeah, strong emotion, strong emotional bonds, really. And that was quite interesting to see. And that also led us to conduct another study specifically on the role of volunteers in the lives of these young people, actually. Yeah, that's really interesting, too, because the volunteers then become another f source of I don't know, stability to a certain extent, if you will, um, that they've developed along the way. So that's definitely, yeah, that's really interesting. That's an interesting finding. Yeah, yeah and they they play a particular role also because of their position, I think. So, for example, social workers may also become very um, um, 
close and uh, significant contacts, but often because of the way the system works, they are forced to separate from them again after a few months because they have to move to another center, for example. And the volunteers, they, they don't have that. So they have the opportunity to stay in touch with them and to provide this unconditional support regardless of whether they are estimated over age or whether they move to another center or not. So that's what makes them special as well. And it's also interesting that you did this longitudinally. So you followed these people over a period of two years and then you're able to look back and see who those support people were over the, that duration. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, that's, that's really interesting. That's an angle that we don't often pay attention to. So thank you for sharing that with us. Is there anything else that you would like to share? Is there any other finding or um, something you want people who are listening to know about this aspect of your study? Mm. Well, I think I haven't really talked about um, the other groups that much. So I just want to emphasize that all of these um, sources of support can be very meaningful, um, especially because of um, the vulnerability of, of this population and of, because of that context. So I don't want to say that just because family and friends are so important, the social workers don't matter, or psychologists don't matter. They also play an important role. It's just that they are restricted because of uh, their working conditions, basically. So because of the um, the framework that it's more difficult for them to to um, yeah build up these uh, relationships with the young people. But still, I think that um, that also goes to show basically that um, the the system basically needs to be adapted to the needs of this population and the um, um, the family and the friends may be important, but they are still very, very far away and they are still, um, they still need this professional support. So, yeah, I just wanted to emphasize that that's also really important. No, um, absolutely. And lastly, also, um, the contact with the local population is uh, something key, really, for their integration and for the well-being in, a, uh, in the long term, in the long run, because... Um, the way we look at integration, it's not only one or the other, but really both the ethnic community and family and friends from before, as well as actors from the new country, such as uh, yeah, young people that they can meet in football clubs, for example, or teachers also can play a big role and become uh, important role models. So yeah, this basically shows that uh, next to the ethnic peers, the family, the friends from back home that I was talking about, the new friends that they make, for example, when they join a football club, are also really important. And yeah, this this is something that we found, especially towards the end of their trajectories, when they started to go to school and they had more contact with the locals as well. And yeah, probably it could happen even before, but in the beginning, like I said, we have this faced uh, reception system in Belgium and in the beginning they are kind of uh, separated unfortunately from the um, local population so it's kind of difficult to make that step but in the end it comes sort of naturally and then yeah like the the lines between the different groups begin to blur that's what we found 
Yeah, it's. I like that you really reiterated the fact that there's so many people who provide support and are sources of support for them. It's just some people are restricted because of the confines of their job. And so they can only do so much or go so far with them. But then this is where the burger, burger, <laughs> the burger platform comes in, where it's the citizens platform where it keeps, they, they're not restricted by their job. These are just citizens wanting to do good, wanting to help and the volunteers as well. So that's really an interesting um, aspect. Thank you for sharing that. Well, that brings us to the end of our interview today. Thank you so much, Malta, for joining us, for explaining more about this article that you're writing. And then once it's public, well, that you've submitted and you're waiting, you're awaiting review. And we trust that it'll be published. Actually, Aha. Um, it's been accepted. It's in the production phase. So oh, I don't know how this works. We can probably link it in the show notes and then people can have access to it and read the study if they're interested. Absolutely. That's fantastic. Congratulations. Thank you. Yes, so we can put the the link in the interview notes and then people can definitely read it. We will also put it up on our website, www.chavu.eu, so people can also follow that way. Thank you, Malta. Congratulations. Thank you all for joining us today and for listening to a podcast with Malta Behrendt. Um, Stay tuned for more podcasts coming coming through on our website. You can follow us on Facebook or on Twitter. Our name is the same, Child Move. And our website is www.childmove.eu. See you next time. Bye. Bye-bye.